God is desiring from us is for us to have that same humility, that we embrace this way of living where we realize that God is infinite and we are finite, that God is great and we are small, that God is all-knowing and we're at best learning, that God is the perfect one and we are imperfect. Mary is a model here of humility. It's hard to do something well without having the tools and information you need. I mean, just imagine trying to build a house without any plans or tools. It's not going to go well. (laughs) Today on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel shares that the same is true in your walk with God. God wants you to thrive, but in order to do that, you need to have a right perspective of who he is and who you are. As you'll see in Mary's example, you need humility. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Luke chapter 1 as he begins his message, The Announcement. There is something so absolutely magical about when a child is born. I remember long before I got married, The way that I was raised in all Italian family, your family was always together. And so when someone had a baby, like everyone would kind of descend upon the hospital. And I remember just being like a young man when my cousins were, you know, their their families were having babies. And I remember like there would just be this little person who you hadn't met before and they're all wrapped up. And and I remember the, you know, holding one of my, you know, one of my nephews, so to speak, you know, my cousin really, but like, like I was older or a little older. And I remember just looking into that little child's eyes and, and, and as a child's all kind of bundled up tight, they got that little beanie on to keep their heads nice and warm. And I remember just looking and just being like, this is just amazing. But you know, you, you start thinking about that little child and you just realize what a, what a powerful example of humility you have in a newborn child because that child can't do anything on their own except go to the restroom, you know, and everything else. They, they need you to help them in every single area. It's like, you know, they can cry and they can use the restroom, but like everything else, they're completely dependent upon their parents. And I remember when Lynn and I, as we got, you know, God brought us together and, and we had Obadiah and then we had Maranatha and then we had Annabelle. Well, each time when, when a child is born, it's such a, a powerful experience. And then you realize like the humility that comes with that child. It's amazing. Even think about the life cycle of a person, a, a child begins so humble. And then as they get a little bit older, they become more independent and then more independent and they have a family. And then, you know, if we get a good long life, then you become kind of dependent again at the end. It's like a, it's, it's a very powerful cycle. Now, I bring all this up because not only are children a great example of humility, but, you know, there's something so sacred about children, babies, that the union of a man and a woman, the, the oneness of within the covenant of marriage can produce fruit, offspring. And if that's true for just anyone's children, how much more so is it when we think about God becoming flesh and dwelling among us. 
In some ways, it's the ultimate example of the almighty God being both humble and sacred. And so today, as we move into Christmas season, we're beginning a brand new series called Humble Sacred, where we're, we're exploring the coming of Jesus, the birth of the Son of God. And, you know, normally, when, you know, when it comes to Christmas time, you know, we have, a, there's a Christmas message, but I really wanted to be us as the Crossroads family to be able to explore some of the events surrounding the birth of Jesus that maybe we wouldn't be able to, to really look at in the midst of on a Christmas Eve service or what, whatever, what have you. So we actually get a chance to explore together some of what Luke's gospel tells us about the different circumstances that are going on uh, before Jesus was born, and ultimately for us, it will culminate for us on Christmas Eve time. But it's a great reminder that, you know, we have a tendency to divorce sacredness from humble things or humble things from the idea of things that are sacred. But Jesus brings and embodies both humility and sacredness together. And we're going to see that as we move through these different sections. So today, we're going to look at the announcement to Mary about Jesus. And in order to look at that, we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. So open your Bibles, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. So if you're new to the Bible, of course, Luke's gospel is the third of Gospels in the New Testament. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then the the Gospel of John. So in the New Testament, third Gospel, of course, chapter one is the beginning, chapter one. Picking up in verse 26, it says this. It says, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And so really, really what we start here is with the humble setting of this whole thing. You know, it's just a simple, humble setting. And the humble setting begins with, it's like in the sixth month, you know, it's like, it's just like, it's another day in the calendar for the humble setting. It's just another day that something happens in the sixth month. And the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, again, like you see the kind of the paradox here because it's in the sixth month, just any other day, but the angel Gabriel was sent by God. So there's, there's an angelic being that is being sent by God, but it's like, where would God send an angel? I mean, you'd think it'd have to be somewhere really, really important, right? Like somewhere like, this is where this thing has to be. But no, <laughs> the angel Gabriel sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, you, you and I, we might not realize that we think about, oh man, Galilee, it's in Israel. But no, like, if God was going to send an angel in the mindset 2,000 years ago, he definitely sent it to Jerusalem which was in the south. I mean, that was the, where the temple was. That was where the King David was. All, you know, the, the kings were there. But no, God sends the angel Gabriel to this podunk region, you know? It's kind of like, you know, I've always heard when I moved here to Clark County, Washington, people always talk about Vancouver as Vantucky. You know, it's like, and some people don't like it when people say that. I got, I've gotten in trouble for saying that before. 
but I'm saying it again because people in Portland, like, oh man, it's like, it's like the boondocks up there in Vancouver. Now, that was exactly the way people in Jerusalem thought about the Sea of Galilee region. It went from being more cosmopolitan to being much more rural. So there's this place in, in Galilee and it's called Nazareth. And Nazareth wasn't exactly all that exciting. If you remember from John's gospel, one of the apostles said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It was just like, it was like the last place that you would ever expect anything amazing to happen. This all begins to show the humble setting. But, but that's just like where it happens and when it happens. But then notice, who does the angel Gabriel get sent to? Gets sent to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So, so this was the woman who had never, she's not married, she's betrothed. So, so there's, they're committed to one another, but they haven't consummated that marriage. I, and I realize that's kind of unique for us to, to think about and talk about the way the culture function was different. There was arranged marriages there at that time. And so when uh, children were born, there would be a marriage that would be arranged. And when the woman became of age, then the betrothal period would begin. And, and that was a period they were legally married, but they hadn't actually had the wedding ceremony. So in that season, the husband-to-be would be uh, establishing a residence on his father's property. Like kind of building like a, a little apartment there, an in-law suite, so to speak. You know, and he would also be establishing his trade. And then at some point when all that stuff was done, there would be that wedding procession where the husband-to-be would go and get his betrothed wife, and then there would be the big celebration, the big party, and then their marriage would be consummated. And so she has never known a man. She's in the betrothal period, and her name is Mary, and she's betrothed to this man named Joseph. Now, the only thing that's kind of majestic about this is that Joseph is part of the line of King David, from the house of David. So again, you notice you see this juxtaposition, like an angel going to meet a virgin named Mary was just like, okay, like it's going to, it's going to meet a teenager. But again, it shows the humble setting, this kind of paradox of sacredness and humility that's going on here. Now, what's amazing is, is the, the angel comes and the angel speaks to Mary. He says, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. So, so, so the angel shows up and he's, he's blessing her. And, and he's speaking to her in ways that Mary probably had never been spoken to in her life by any other person, let alone an angel. He says, I want you to be full of joy. You're highly favored by God. God's with you. And you're blessed among women. And you can just imagine Mary being like, blessed among women? I'm not even married. Like, I'm betrothed. Like, like, I don't have any kids. Like, what? I'm blessed. What are you talking about? And you even see it in her response. Because, but when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, considering what manner of grief this was. Like, she was, like, skeptical almost. Like, what is going on right now? And, I mean, you would think that the uh, announcement of the birth of the Messiah would have a whole different set of variables. But again, we see the humble setting, but it reminds us of what the prophet Isaiah says, Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15, where it says, for thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the hearts of the contrite one. Now, you hear what I just read there? God is the high and holy one, and God loves to dwell with those who are humble and contrite. So really, God brings the sacred peace, and then humanity brings the humility peace to this thing. 
And in a lot of ways, Mary's response, and as we're going to see what's going on through this, we're going to see that Mary is not, well, of course an angel's coming to see me, and of course this is what's happening. She has this humility. And really what God is desiring from us is for us to have that same humility, that we embrace this way of living where we realize that God is infinite and we are finite, that God is great and we are small, that God is all-knowing and we're at best learning, that God is the perfect one and we are imperfect. Mary is a model here of humility, but it moves from the humble setting to verses 30 to 33 to the promise of the Messiah. Because Mary doesn't understand what's happening, but when she gets the promise of the Messiah, look what it says. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, you hear what's going on here. Mary is concerned. She doesn't know what's going on. She's afraid. There's this angel there. And, and, and the angel says, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You have found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, now that's not only true for Mary as it relates to the promise of the Messiah, Jesus. That's true for each one of us as we come to know Jesus as well. That in a lot of ways, just like Mary God wants our lives to be the womb into which Jesus is born into the world. Man, that's super deep. So I don't want you to miss what I just said there. Like, God wants your life and my life to just like Mary to be the womb through which Jesus enters the world. And that's what it's, as we say yes to Jesus, we put our faith and trust in Jesus. Jesus takes up residence within our lives and he births his kingdom in the midst of who we are. And so in a lot of ways, Mary is a forerunner for exactly what God wants to do in all of our lives. But Mary, she's got this blessing that is upon her because she's found grace in the eyes of the Lord, just like you and I when we come to know Jesus. God bestows his grace. We find grace in the eyes of God. It's God's unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor. I like to always define grace as G-R-A-C-E. I spell it out. God's riches at Christ's expense. Do you realize that right here, right now, no matter what your background is, that you have found grace in the eyes of God through the finished work of Jesus? That's the great hope that we have as believers. Now, for Mary, it's unique because notice what it says, verse 31, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, don't miss the fact that Mary was already, we've already been told that she was a virgin. She'd never consummated her marriage. She had never had any relations uh, with a man before. But now, this angel is saying to her, and behold, you will conceive in your womb, and you will bring forth a son, and I want you to name him Jesus. This reminds me, of course, of that great prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, where it says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. That's Isaiah 7, 14. The virgin will conceive and bring forth a son, 
But it says, you shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, what does Emmanuel mean? It means God with us. That's what it means. So what's amazing is in Isaiah's prophecy, the name is actually a descriptive name, God with us. To Mary, his name is Jesus, which in the Hebrew would have been, you know, Yeshua or Jehoshua, which is literally God is our salvation. So Mary gets this promise, and, and this child that is going to be conceived in her womb, notice he says in verse 32, he shall be great and will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So you notice the description. I mean, talk about when, you, when you're having a child, you get a prophecy like this. It's like, whoa, he's going to be great. He's going to be known as the son of the highest. He's going to be known as the son of God. And God is going to place him on the throne of his father David, fulfilling the Davidic covenant that you read about in 2 Samuel chapter 7, where God promised David that one of his descendants would always be on his throne. Jesus is the fulfillment of this. And not only that, then he goes on to say, and of his reign, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. So Jesus becomes the king who will always be king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and of his kingdom there will be no end. It's an eternal reign. This is the work of the Messiah, God's promise to the children of Israel. We start awaiting the Messiah all the way back in the book of Genesis when Adam and Eve fell, the seed of the woman, crushing the head of the seed of the serpent. All through the scriptures, this promise of the Messiah is coming. And now to this virgin in Nazareth of Galilee, the angel Gabriel shows up and gives this great promise. But you got to love Mary here. Because verse 34 says this, Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. So now what you have here is you have the miracle is explained. We have the miracle explained. Because Mary, she's, she's smart. She's like, okay, well, how are we going to pull that off? She's like, there's going to be conceived in my womb. How can this be? I, I don't, I've never known a man. I've never consummated my marriage. Like, this is impossible. And I kind, of, I kind of love Mary's pragmatic nature. She's not like, oh, like, oh yeah, sounds great, wonderful. It's like, well, hold on. I'm like, how are we going to pull this off? What's going on here? And then the angel Gabriel explains to her exactly how this miracle is going to happen. Now, we don't get all the details that we might want, but, but really what he says, he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. So you have this idea that Mary gets to bring humanity, the humility to the table, and the Holy Spirit brings the sacredness to the table. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. So God is bringing his son into the world through the human vehicle of Mary. Of course, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 says it this way. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. 
I love, I love how concise Matthew's gospel is. She was found a child of the Holy Spirit. See, I always think about what, what an amazing reality this must have been because you realize that once all this takes place and, and Mary comes to Joseph and says, hey, Joey, I just need you to know. I don't know if she called him Joey or not. But, you know, I just need you to know that like, I'm, I'm pregnant. And, and it says that you know, Joseph was a just man. He wanted to put her away privately. The idea is he wanted to divorce her in private so that she didn't get in trouble. And then God showed up to him in a dream and said, no, 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 listen. She wasn't unfaithful to you. This is my plan. She's got a child of the Holy Spirit within her. So really what you have here is you have Mary bringing the human frailty, the humility, the humanness to the equation, and the Spirit of God is bringing the sacredness to the equation. See, that's why, you know, there's, within some segments of Christianity, predominantly in Catholicism, there is this belief that Mary, you know, was the mother of God, which the Bible never teaches. Mary was the mother of Jesus's humanity. In order for God to take on flesh in the incarnation, God needed to enter into humanity. And so Mary gets to bring the humanity to the table, but the Holy Spirit brings the divinity to the table, the sacredness to the table. Now, I bring all this up because you might be saying, like, Sophisco, but what does all this have to do with me? Well, guess what? In our lives, the same thing is true. God, by his spirit, brings sacredness to our lives by God's kingdom through the finished work of Jesus being a part of our lives. And we bring the frailty and the humility. God loves to have this treasure dwell in earthen vessels. And so the best things about your life and my life is actually Jesus in us. What the Spirit of God wants to birth in our lives as we move through the world. And sure, we get to have all these amazing experiences. We get to, you know, have relationships and God moves in different ways. We get to do the work of ministry. We get to achieve all these different things as everyone has different gifts and talents. You know, you have jobs and in your school you get to learn. We get to grow. All these things happen. But the best thing about us is not our natural giftings that we have. The best thing about us is the sacred reality of Christ in us, which is the hope of glory, which we studied in Paul's letter to the Colossians. Just like Mary, Mary brings the humility, but God brings the sacredness. And that's the same thing that's true in all of our lives. When you realize that I bring frailty to the table, but God brings majesty to the table. I bring imperfection to the table, but God brings perfection. I bring flaws, but God brings grace. And we get to move through this world in this humble, sacred paradox. But God has his ways of doing his work that the Spirit of God can overcome all of the limitations of humanity. Jesus is The truth is that every one of us is a bit of a train wreck. And just like Mary did, we bring the reality of that mess into our relationship with God. But as Pastor Daniel reminded you today, God isn't surprised by this. In fact, as you come to him with humility, he'll meet you with his sacredness. God wants to work in and through you to do amazing things in the world. When you're humble, you can be a part of the good he's doing around you. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Thanks so much for tuning in today. It's such an amazing honor to share God's word and I love seeing how God is working through this ministry. Would you partner with us? 
I'd love for you to join us in sharing the message that Jesus is real by being a prayer partner or financial supporter. Find out more by visiting our website, jesusisrealradio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to jesusisrealradio.com, click on the stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio and Pastor Daniel will continue explaining how our humility intersects with the sacredness of God. You'll discover that you must follow Mary's example and yield to the Lord even when things don't make sense. Mary didn't know how she could become pregnant, but she trusted that God was good and knew that he was able to do more than she could even begin to understand. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, Humble Sacred. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.